Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. to go hot mic with hutton and with row underway on this wednesday edition glad you're with us across the network including youtube facebook twitter and much more outkick.com as well big show planned they're always big brian leaf joins us former washington state quarterback to discuss the demise of the pac-12 the collapse and also get his thoughts on johnny manzel uh, admitting in the untold Johnny football documentary on Netflix that he considered taking his own life. Ryan Leaf has struggled with addiction and much more, and we'll get his take on that coming up in 20 minutes. Clay Travis, our leader, our fearless leader, on book tours uh, across this country. Now he joins us. Uh, he tours uh, every Wednesday. The book right tour here. continues. We'll talk about the book, I'm sure, it today does. on the show. Kurt Schilling as well in our three Always a great conversation, uh, great stories coming from one of the best uh, to pitch off the mound in Major League Baseball. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about today's show. You, you brought up Johnny Football. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about watching this documentary, I feel like we could just pick one of 17 to 30 topics that were revealed in that show and discuss every day. One that I just want to drop in there randomly today is the fact that his buddy Nate – completely fabricated the idea that he was rich from oil money. <laughs> I, I just now thought about that, and I thought, wow, I believe that all along. I did too. Now, his family is well off. They're not super wealthy. But he explained the private jets, the trips to Europe, the trips to Cabo, the Vegas trips, all those things while at A&M. And that made sense because and of the connection there. And explained it away because he said, yeah, I'm, I'm allowed to do these things because my parents are wealthy with oil money. And in the documentary, his buddy Nate, his handler, admits, yeah, we made that completely up. And they're just grinning at the camera while saying it. We should have a discussion for sure. Billy Lucci should join us for that, too. Oh, man. For all the topics just, and stories. Again, we could – I just mentally jotted down <laughs> like 10 points that you could just hit. Like him saying he never watched a second of film while a Cleveland Brown quarterback is like 11th on the list of biggest things that he said in that documentary. It's really, really good. You mentioned getting getting rich uh, and making up the story. San Diego State's trying to get rich or get wealthy off of uh, Power 5 money. That's where we begin our top headlines today on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, Chad, San Diego State, I don't know where they come from, the idea that they have the most power in the Mountain West, but their president, Adela De La Torre, uh, she apparently uh, had the uh, discussion with the remaining Pac-12 schools trying to also earn the trust and uh, the the alliance with some of the top powers that be in the Mountain West, as well as the American, and form their, their own version of what the Pac-12 was and have uh, the, the idea that they would be a part of the Autonomous Five, the Power Five, which is written in the NCAA Constitution, which the Autonomous Five have the most voting rights and power, and they also receive $80 million, all five conferences. Now it'll soon be four. 
$80 million from the college football playoff. That's why San Diego State wanted to replace Colorado. And after headed back to the Mountain West, where they just signed a, a recent uh, media contract in 2020 that runs out in 2026, um, they are trying to form their own version and, in effect, leave the other powers that be in the, uh, the other programs out to dry, much like the four remaining in the Pac-12. This was not received well. In fact, the presidents band together, and the Mountain West remains the Mountain West in solidarity. But here's San Diego State again trying to – they're like the guy who, who knows too much and then gossips to everyone and tries to do things beneath the, the surface, but then everyone else talks and reveals who the, uh, the, the, the spy was, so to speak, who's, who's the gossip queen in the room. To me, that's San Diego State here throughout this entire process. Well, look, it, it feels like, you know, the old saying, if you're not cheating, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. What does Boise State about this? I, I feel you like – in this, this sad state of kind of where things are headed now, if you were not being completely tunnel vision selfish right now in trying to do whatever you can as either a program or a conference, then you're probably going to get left behind. Let's just go look at Washington State and Oregon State, who sat behind, didn't outwardly go out of their way to try to contact other conferences and flirt with them and ask if they would take them. No one was flirting with them either. And now they're dust. I mean, they hope to be added by the Mountain West Conference. The Pac-12 is no more because they were following the company line and being a good member of their conference in good standing in the Pac-12. I, I can't hate San Diego State for this. Well, they're simply looking out for number one, and they're looking at the future, and they're saying, if we can cherry-pick the top teams from our conference and the American, then maybe, just maybe, with the four remaining Pac-12 teams, we can form a new Pac-12 that will be up to the standards of the college football playoff committee, and we can keep that at-large bid as a Power 5 conference. It backfires because when you talk, others are going to talk. So when they're going to these other schools, they got ratted out, and now they look like idiots, but I guess at least they're looking out for themselves. Yeah, but they should – well, let's circle back to this later in the show because they they should be thankful for the Mountain West right now because if not for the Pac-12 turning them down a month ago – they would be on the outside looking in, just like Oregon State, Washington State, and others right now, Stanford and Cal. They would be them and, and not have the $4 million per year that they currently hold, which is more than what the, the institutions I just mentioned are receiving in their media deal after this season. So uh, I'm interested in the, the idea of what San Diego State's trying to do and how they go about including whatever they're putting together as a Power Five conference moving forward Uh, also quickly no one cares about hindsight in this whole thing that's right because the pac-12 had a chance to merge the big 12 two years ago they didn't now they look like idiots they also had a chance to add san diego state they didn't now they look like idiots because they're no longer a conference san diego state wanted to join the pac-12 they would look like idiots if that was allowed by the guy who should have added them but didn't and now he's one of the biggest failures so what happened last week last month two years ago or yesterday has no bearing on the future, and teams and conference are going to do whatever the heck they well, want. Except to for save the fact themselves. that whenever they didn't join the Pac-12 because the conference didn't want them, from then to now, the Pac-12 is still without a media rights deal, and San Diego State could effectively be with the group that was left behind within a 30-day notice. It's it's kind of crazy how they went back to the well again and were again denied when the Pac-12 should have added them at the chance uh, when they had when Colorado bolted. Uh, Deion Sanders, Chad, he uh, spoke with the media 
And while he's discussing his, you know, his foot rehab, where he says he, he hopes to be able to run on the field uh, uh, in Fort Worth to, to open the, the season for Colorado, he was asked right out of the gate about conference realignment, Colorado effectively starting the domino effect of what we've seen over the last 30 to 40 days in the Pac-12. Colorado is headed as far as this kind of craziness going on with college football. What craziness are you talking about? Well, just different teams moving. Man, I don't care about no different teams moving. We trying to win, man. I don't care what we play. Okay. I don't don't care what conference, who we're playing against. We're trying to win. All this is about money. You know that. It's about a bag. Everybody's chasing a bag. Then you get mad at the players when they chase it. How's that? How do how do the grown-ups get mad at the players when they chasing it when the colleges are chasing? Yeah, that's true. I, I just I know, I know that's true. A couple, couple more teams moving today. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, same teams are talking about us, right? There's D on there. And the same teams that were talking about Colorado, he's referring to Oregon and head coach Dan Landing, who had this to say about Colorado leaving. This was prior to Oregon and Washington bolting for the Big Ten. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. You remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. So Lenning saying that in tongue-in-cheek, but man, it, it looks bad when a week later, Oregon is doing the exact same thing. And later, like 20 minutes later, Dion sits there and answers all these different questions about the team, about kickoff. One of the last questions was about the hate that he garners from programs across the country, coaches, and those that are you know, trying to jab primetime whenever he's doing something that really everyone else is talking about doing beneath the surface. Coach, it seems like a lot of people have had opinions about you, the program, the transfer portal, whatever it right. seems to be. As a player, did you ever internalize that and put that energy into proving no. them wrong? Or what is your mindset when people have opinions? What do you do? With that, you just block it out. Or I don't care. Look at me. What about me would make you think that I care about your opinion of me? Your opinion of me is not the opinion that I have of myself. You ain't make me, so you can't break me. You didn't build me, so you can't kill me. I, I, you know what? God, God established me, so you ain't nothing you can do to me. I, I've been dealing with this foolishness since Pee Wee football, man. I've been him. I've been a difference maker, a game changer. I've been that guy. So what will change now that I'm coaching? Not a darn thing. I'm not even playing the game, and you got an opinion of me. I'm not even on the field. But I'm pretty sure I get every darn coach I'm playing against, head coaches, <laughs> and anything you want to do. But I, 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 I love it, but I don't care. And I wish the world thought like that. Youngsters, if you're out there right now, do not give a darn what opinion people have of you. As long as that opinion is not consistent of that of yourself. You be you. I'm not planning to make you feel good about me. I already feel good about me. I'm good. I love when he's intentionally ruffling the feathers. Uh, don't give a darn also needs to be a, a T-shirt for the show. Don't give a darn should be a T-shirt. I love it when a guy is in the biggest sunglasses possible and telling people to look right at him, look me in the eye, and look at me. Do I look like someone who cares about With what people think? a gold whistle around his neck. I think back to the uh, the, the Bulls documentary, uh, the, the docu-series, and when Michael Jordan was accused of gambling, 
Remember he did the oh. interview in sunglasses with a modder shot, and Ahmad was like, "Man, you showed up looking like a gangster, <laughs> like a gambler. Like if I had looked up in the dictionary what a gambler looks like, it would be Michael doing this this interview in sunglasses." Uh, I love that from Dion, and I believe him. So many times that people say, "I don't care what others think about me," they're saying that because they a million percent care about what others think about them. I don't think that with Deion Sanders. I believe he's being honest about not really caring. But wasn't it um, Pat Narduzzi that he had to ask who? I don't even know who that is. Remember, the, the someone was talking about uh, him. Was the first thing was, I don't who, who's that I've guy. Never met him. Don't don't know who that is. <laughs> which is great. Uh, look, I it's going to be a thrill ride. Yeah, and I, the, I saw uh, and maybe bumpy. I think it was on three sports. Put you know name the record for. Colorado at the end of September with their first five games. And it's TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, USC, Oregon. Yeah. I think are their first five. And I, I immediately said 0 oh, and 5 is is a possibility in that, that first five. But even if it's 0 oh, and 5, it's going to be an entertaining 0 oh, and 5 because of that guy we just saw right there wearing sunglasses inside during his press conference. And the cowboy hat on the sideline, hopefully. Love it. That's what we need. Uh, we didn't – certainly, Dion said he's, he didn't know about Narduzzi. We didn't know about Kevin Brown, who was the Orioles' play-by-play announcer. And uh, now we do, because he was suspended indefinitely for comments where he is referencing a graphic about 15 straight series losses that the O's had to the Rays and how the Orioles had won three of five games and had done better in that entire span this year than what they had done previous uh, this season. And ownership said that it, it made them look cheap, and they suspended him from the broadcast where he's on contract with Masson to do about 150 of those games. Well, uh, he's expected back Friday in Seattle, but not before the fan base, Chad, was chanting free Kevin Brown at the uh, recent O's game uh, last night. And I'm glad this happened at Camden Yards. going to be back and it never should have happened in the first place i love it i would also like to get a few fans in the upper deck at camden yards considering they have the best record in the american league right now uh, but hey the, the lower bowl was packed and they were all chanting free kevin brown i did my fox news minute on this and it's become a big talking point and i'm not going to say anything earth shattering here i'll just repeat what everyone knows this is one of the softest decisions i've ever seen from an increasingly softer sports society of teams and team-run enterprises. They are the softest group in the world. If you say anything remotely negative about them and you are in any way employed by the team, you will get suspended. You'll have something bad happen to you. He didn't say anything bad. He was illustrating a previous poor record against a team that they are playing well against in 2023 to show the improvement of the Orioles as maybe the best story in Major League Baseball. And now the Orioles, the best story in Major League Baseball, have taken a great season. It continues to be a great season. And they've turned it now into a storyline that's self-inflicted about how soft the owner is says for made suspending it look, this guy. Made, it look, made them look cheap, but it's also this makes them look cheap. They're winning at a pace where they're going to be the top team in the American League. And now the story is about Kevin Brown uh, stating and referencing a graphic on the screen that he didn't make for the broadcast uh, where it 
you know, references the losses previous and the wins this year against yeah, another good just, Rays team. He talked about they had lost, I think, 18 series in a row against the Rays until this year. I mean, and then he yeah. was illustrating that, how much better they are this year. I, it doesn't make anybody look cheap. It makes them look weak. It makes the decision makers uh, with the Orioles look incredibly weak and thin-skinned. I mean, in the we case know of the that, Orioles, they also run the, the TV network. Yeah, we know pro sports teams can be very thin-skinned. This yes. is the next level. This is right when there. I was sent the clip of it, I heard it. And usually I can pick out, oh, the, I see now why they suspended him, even though it's weak. I, I couldn't even take away one thing that was bad in what he said. It was a pre-produced open with graphics from the TV team. There was nothing bad about it. He was using past negative moments in Orioles history to illustrate the turnaround. And it was Ridiculous. setting up a, a series with the Rays back at the end of July. This stems from there to now, and the team says he's going to be back uh, also, soon. R- reports are he's back Friday quickly, night in Seattle. Kevin Brown could be 12 years old or 52 years old. I have no idea. He's he one of those guys. He'll always he's got same. one of those faces that I don't know how old he is. Ryan Leaf joins us next. Perspective on the Pac-12 and the teams that remain, including Washington State. That's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Our first guest of the afternoon, can, I mean, you can find him in so many different uh, places now. Uh, uh, Good Morning Football, where he's crushing it. Uh, the podcast has been excellent, the, the Straight Line podcast. Ryan Leaf uh, joins us from an airport near you on his way uh, uh, somewhere uh, beautiful, I'm sure. Ryan, yeah. good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Good to see you guys too. Yeah, we're good. Uh, it's kind of worked out. We had a little delay. Headed back to uh, my my home state, Montana, for a little little family reunion before you know before things get crazy before the season kicks off. So I'm um, excited for that. Congrats on finding the most beautiful airport backdrop I've ever seen. Uh, it's an amazing. I mean, this <laughs> right? is this is top notch. Ten out of ten work by you to find this backdrop. It looks like your home. 
and it wasn't it was like this was just by accident my kid was like let's sit here and my <laughs> wife like walked us around the whole place and then i sat it down and it's got marble it's got the lighting i mean i'm, I'm just made for this entertainment business guys it just seemingly <laughs> lines up we are uh, uh, around 15 days or so from college football kicking off and uh, the the discussion is about more conference realignment and now we see what has happened with the pac-12 uh, and, you know, the, the fact that they're done uh, as someone who has played in that conference with Washington State and knowing that Washington State is on the outside looking in now after all of the expansion has taken place this offseason. What do you what, what comes to mind? What's your reaction? And should everyone have seen this coming from within the conference? Well, first, I'm, it's I'm devastated. It's it's maddening that that is playing out like this. Uh, and yes. Everybody should have seen this coming. As soon as you saw UCLA and USC walk out the door last year, George Klyovkov needed to sew up that media rights deal to hold everybody in. They had to sat, sign their grant of rights then. Instead, he let, it a, he let a, a limping Big 12 gain momentum, go find some teams, you know, get themselves a, a media rights deal that's, that's really special. And so, unfortunately... You know, you've got to lay this at the feet of the commissioner and, of course, at Larry Scott, uh, you know, who, who kind of put them down this path. But, yeah, the fact that they kept waiting and waiting and seeing things go away, that's a big, big reason why we're in this position that we're in right now. What, what does Washington State do now? Is it the Mountain West? What are you hearing there? And are, are, from your vantage point, should they have been doing more to try to latch on somewhere, more vocal, much like we've seen with Colorado, for instance, what Florida State's trying to do in the ACC? You know, I, I, you know, I think President Schultz, who was the head, was the chairman of the uh, you know, Board of Governors, I, I feel like he was trying to be as optimistic as he could and keep everybody together. And I think that's what a good leader tries to do. Unfortunately, you know, you had, you had other guys out there running around and, and George Klyovkov continued to present and say that I'm going to bring a, a successful media rights deal to the table. And he just was not able to secure that. Um, it's ironic to me that these teams are able to leave the conference and go to others and therefore sign these big deals for these big media rights money when you couldn't keep all 12 of them together to do the same thing. It, it, it just doesn't quite make sense. And of course, you've got to look at, you know, some of the networks and, and their handling of this and how they want to go. But ultimately, and I think, Jonathan, you and I have talked about this. We're, we're, we're venturing to the, the place of, of the National Collegiate Football League. We're going to get there uh, probably within the next five years, I would I would gather. 18 to 22 teams in each conference uh, to set up for the whole league. And then the teams that can and vie for these things are the teams that can generate the most money, the most of everything, and therefore uh, be a part of it. And there'll be relegation. And essentially we're seeing the relegation play out in the PAC 12 right now, but nationally, you know, we're going to see that ultimately take place. And Hey, Kip Kelly said something really, really good the other day. Football is the outlier in all this. Why don't, why doesn't every football team in the country just become independent. 64 of the teams. Let let the conferences stay the same when it comes to the basketball, when it comes to soccer and softball and everything. And then you play it out that way. I mean, it sounds so simple. You wonder why it hasn't been discussed more. I thought he was very, very forward thinking when he talked about that earlier today. I totally agree with you on the different sports breaking away from each other. And when you look at it, and you're right about this becoming sort of a minor league model, the NFL – with regional haves and, and, and they separate from the have-nots.
But before, we always looked at it, well, it'll be the Power Five, then a select few programs elsewhere that'll be involved in that. But now, when you look at it, is Washington State and Oregon State out for good? Or is there a way they could work their way back into that level where they're going to be a part of the haves moving forward? It all comes down to presidents uh, in a boardroom, you know, sitting over spreadsheets. That's what it's going to be, no matter how well, you know, the teams. I mean, Washington State's one of the most viewed teams around the country when it comes to the Pac-12. And if you're looking for, you know, uh, regional viewing. Uh, and then you look at the teams that have been successful. Washington State's been about as successful as anybody over the last decade uh, versus Oregon versus everybody. And, and it, it it hasn't mattered. I mean, Oregon State realistically can win the Pac-12 conference this year. That's how talented they are. Ten wins a year ago, probably should have been US, beat USC. They get a couple. They don't have to play a couple teams this year. They get some of the best ones at home. I would love it if the Beavers ran away and won the Pac-12 conference this year in a year where no one else wanted them. It would just, it would put a, a bow on it, boot out everybody else who wasn't man enough to stay and fight uh, and, and and take up, take home that silver, go to the, the college football playoff. Boy, that would be a lot of fun to see. Ryan Leaf with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow discussing the Pac-12 collapse and uh, where we go from here. Do you like the idea of just joining up with the Mountain West? Do you want to go independent? Like as someone who's following the program and, and was excellent there, what's next? Uh, if I'm if I'm George, uh, I, I'm trying to bolster the conference. I'm trying to, you know, get Boise State, San Diego State, SMU, Tulane, uh, South Florida. Uh, South Florida is going to be a beast in a couple of years. If you can land them, and that's that's something I'm, I'm pretty sure the Big 12 is looking at. Um, Marshall, maybe. Some of those schools that I think, you know, you got to try your best to bolster something to make it good. Um, but if you're not able to do that, yeah, I mean, I don't think – I think what you – you look to as you talk to the commissioner of the Mountain West and you say, hey, let's merge. And now you'll be part of the Pac-12 conference. That's because that has that has some 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 sway, some bravado. It's the Pacific Conference. So that's what I ultimately do. The Mountain West would then become the Pac, whatever that is, yeah. Pac-8, Pac-10, and, and and go from there. Uh, that That's what I hope happens, uh, that Washington State gets to stay there. But if, if big 12 or the big 10 or the acc commissioners reach out and 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 offer some sort of lifeline you got to jump at it you got to take it that is the the known uh, right now and uh to sit in limbo uh, by yourself is it's got to be just um, like i said earlier maddening ryan leaf with us uh from a palatial airport uh on his way to uh hang out with family in montana i i I don't know if you – we haven't talked about if you've seen Untold Johnny Football, which is the new uh, docu-series uh, on uh, Netflix or not, but I know you've definitely seen the headlines where he, he said there, there was a time recently where he, he was going to kill himself. He was going to commit suicide. And you've certainly been through your struggles. You and I met at a – and you've been vocal about it. You've been upfront about it. Uh, you and I met at an event that you were speaking at uh, on, in regards to all of this. He – we had the director on yesterday, Ryan, and he said that uh, he didn't know ahead of time that Johnny was going to go down that path until they were in the middle of the interview sitting down and he went there and admitted that. What what do you take away from just the him saying that publicly and the state of mind where I would compare it? He, he was the character. He, he was Johnny football, not Johnny Manziel. And I felt like when he admitted that that was Johnny Manziel. Uh, yeah, I got a chance to uh, watch it last night. I was, uh, 
I was hopeful, hopeful for this. And, uh, and I, I don't want to, uh, I mean, it, it, I'd love to hear from Johnny. I mean, we probably heard a hundred words come out of his mouth during the, during the documentary. I mean, it, nothing. And, um, I, I put this on, I put this on Netflix. I, I would have loved to have been able to talk to that director today and said, you have done everybody such a disservice. Once again, people have taken advantage of Johnny Manziel. Um, there was no solutions. There was no addressing the, the bipolar diagnosis and how he's dealing with it and how he's living with it uh, around his substance abuse. And then at the very end, he talks about, you know, being, uh, you know, Back in the day, being in a frat, the football team was the frat. And then they show him and he's sitting at a table with all his new frat buddies pounding beers. I, I just I don't know what they were trying to achieve. If they were trying to achieve like a, a montage of this great, unbelievable college football star, by all means, let's do it. But that's not what Untold has been doing. Go back and look at the Marty Fish mental health um, uh, documentary they did. It's unbelievable. And I was hoping for that. So, you know, it's. Why do it? I don't I don't get it. I don't I don't quite understand it. I put the blame at Netflix. I lay it at their feet. I feel like they took advantage of somebody that I don't know what they needed to maybe lift him up again. His dad and his, his sister talking about, you know, why isn't he doing anything? Well, he's not in a place where he can. And, you know, we want people who are still struggling and people who are gone through those types of things and, and the ability to talk about it like that. Talk about wanting to take your own life to showcase. I think that was a good first step. I'm glad they showed that, but it was just so awkward and out of place from what the whole thing was. And maybe I'm too close or maybe because I see it from a different perspective. Cause I know a lot of my football friends have loved it because they've got to see this, you know, this crazy rise of what that looked like in 2012 and 2013. But, you know, for me, the way I'm looking at something is somebody who has a disease and, and needs to be treated. And uh, I don't I don't think they they did him any uh, service in that. And so, like I said, nothing against Johnny. He's doing what he has to do to, to figure it out. And I am here for him if that is ever anything he needs. Um, but Netflix, that director. The producers on it, uh, they 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 did exactly what everybody's done for so long around mental illness and substance abuse. They stigmatized it, continued to do it. They talked about it like snippet and then just did not address it again the rest of the way. It was just so awkward to me. And like I said, it just, I may be too close to it, but I also want him to be around. And I think he can be a beacon of hope to so many because he was, right. he was bigger than life, bigger than anything I could accomplish. I feel like in terms of way people recognize and know him, and he can be that for people who are dealing with mental illness, people who are dealing with substance abuse, who have fallen to the very bottom and gotten back up and made something of their lives. And I wanted to see just, you know, and maybe he's just not there yet, the philanthropic about making it about other people. And, and, and maybe he's just not there yet. And I get that. I, I had, I had situations where I wasn't ready to be shown the mirror. Uh, and, and luckily I figured it out at some point, but, but yeah, I was, I was incredibly disappointed with Netflix and, and untold on what they could have could have done or should have done in this moment. And this is why it's important to get your perspective on this. So we appreciate you coming on and talking about this because that, that your reaction is not my reaction to watching it. Obviously, different life experiences going into that. We having the director on, my first question to him was, How is Johnny doing now? And I don't think he could give us a very good answer to that. 
He kind of hinted around, mm. well, the relationship with the dad's a little bit better. You saw him playing golf in the documentary, but, you know, his parents even talk about he's not really doing anything. So I'm glad you, you put that into motion in our minds now, Ryan, because I don't know that there is really a solution of where he is right now or where he's going next based on what we saw from him in this documentary. And you've never spoken to him, right? I've tried for years and I talked to his dad a bunch and my wife was uh, at, a, at a grocery store in LA and ran into him and his ex-wife at the time. And, uh, and he finally came over to the house and we talked and, you know, I can tell he was just, you know, he was just, it was when he was in Los Angeles and a lot of that stuff was going on where, and I gave him a book that had really helped me. Um, and uh, we, we planned on, on getting back together and, and talking some more. And I was going to, you know, introduce him to some people, some fellowship things. And I, I've never heard from him again. So, like I said, that happens all the time when you start working with people who are, are new into recovery or things like that. And they just, you know, they just disappear because they're just not ready to, you know, take an honest look maybe at everything. And, uh, and so, the, yeah, it was, it was the one time. Uh, I still continue to talk to his dad from time to time. But, you know, I think at this point, I think his dad just kind of wants to be, you know, kind of buddy play golf and just make sure he's still alive you know that's that's a scary scary world to live in and so uh it yeah i just wish they would have defined it one way or the other like like this is a football documentary we're going to show you johnny football we're going to talk about what the ncaa has limited these players for so long for you know and i just i didn't want it to be something where he couldn't hold himself accountable where he blamed uh the ncaa or 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 wanted to, to play the victim in all this, you know, I thought maybe the end was him and Nate reuniting when they split on this guy that just like, you know, covered his tail for so long. And instead, you know, he's, you know, shooting, you know, uh, high noons uh, with his, with his new golf buddies who are just part of a frat again. I just didn't quite understand the irony thing here. Somebody edited it and they hear him talking and Johnny says, I was in a frat. Yeah. I'm not in frat anymore. And then you look around and they're all throwing darts and they're all boozing up. And I'm just going, Ryan, I mean, did the, did, did the editors do that on purpose? We're up against a break. Thank you for this perspective. Appreciate and you. The visit from the airport. Ryan leaves the best. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Always a great conversation with Ryan Leaf and uh, certainly there with perspective on Johnny Manziel and Washington State among the four that makes up the Pac-12 right now. Well, and look, I, I say this with full clarity based on talking with, with Ryan Leaf. His reaction to the Johnny Manziel doc is the absolute opposite of mine. I was entertained by it. To me, it was a fun look at just a wild time in college sports and a crazy look at a guy uh, who went wild, you know, for a time. But for someone from Ryan Lee's perspective, it's great to have that on because 
As so, I, I, I have not personally had issues with addiction, but if you watch that as someone who's had issues with addiction, you're going to have a very different response to it the way Ryan did. So, Hutton, good job by you going out of your way to get him on the show today, last minute, because if not, I don't think people would have heard a response from someone who has actually lived that. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, if you, if you want to see the prototype for what Johnny Manziel was in the NFL, it's Ryan Leaf. Right. First-round draft pick, college star, substance, ab- substance abuse issues, no doubt about it, with both guys. Yeah. Ryan Leaf is now a point in his life where he's more honest and open about it. And, I mean, just looking at him there, looks as healthy as all get out when you see him. And, that, and people, he's happy. People are commenting on YouTube like, man, he looks great. Yeah. Ryan Leaf does. I, I did not get that full sense from Johnny Manziel. I thought he looked better than that photo of him in Vegas when he was down to 165 pounds or whatever it was when he was on that $5 million bender. Yeah. I thought he looked better in the documentary than that point in his life. But we didn't get a lot of resolution as to how he's actually doing. So I thought that was a good good point from a very different perspective well, coming from Ryan. In our conversation uh, yesterday, I, I, I said, look, we've – I feel like you, you need more episodes with this, right, of where it left off. I mean, they, Netflix, from my, my family, uh, I've been affected by suicide. And so whenever Manziel's mentioning this, Netflix took advantage of it, I agree with Ryan, uh, in promotion. Those are stories everywhere prior to the untold being dropped on Netflix about it. And that was a very small part at the you know, tail end of what was a thrill ride of an episode. Um, but I do, I, I took it from the perspective of at least he's admitting it. And I thought the, from the, the director's point of view, he didn't go into it knowing that Manziel was going to say that. So in the moment, bringing that up, uh, is massive, but I mean, he is, he's opening a bar in college station called the, the money bar. And you know, that, that will crush, but the, the, the Johnny football, uh, character, that he lives every day, that's what he, you know, mentally tries to to live up to because he's got to be on, and I think that affects that that would affect anyone in the moment over time, and it certainly has him. Yeah, and just how so many takeaways from that, and again, it was great having the director on, then having Ryan on for both perspectives. But we, you know, we mentioned the story told about he said it on camera. And they took a break, and he walked out by a pool and said, are you okay to continue yeah. talking about this? Something else that jumped out to me, normally when there's any talk of suicide on any type of show, they will put like a disclaimer on, you know, uh, or, 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 the, or a, the hotline. The number, yeah. The number on the bottom of the screen before or after. I don't remember seeing that on this documentary, but I'll have to go back and, and check for it. Yeah, look, I, I'm just I'm thankful that, Ryan came on the show to share that perspective because it's an important one uh, and not one I necessarily would have thought about immediately watching it. But it was interesting how the documentary ends with him saying, I'm just a frat boy and football happened to be my fraternity, the football team. And then he got to the NFL and it wasn't fun because they weren't his frat brothers Mm -hmm. anymore. They were guys 10 years older than him with a wife and kids and just trying to stay on the team and not everybody partied together. So he lost interest in that part of it. He's putting on disguises. And then they open the show. I mean, the the first 45 seconds is him and his buddies vaping and doing beer bongs uh, by a pool in Scottsdale, Arizona. So there was some interesting back and forth with that about where exactly he is now. 
another maybe excuse, a bit better, way, but get not our, much has changed. Another excuse to get our buddy Billy Lucci on at some point to to ask him about it. Probably as, in the documentary well, and as close to Johnny as anyone in media for and, sure. And Ryan Leaf will be in town in the next couple of weeks too, I believe. So we'll get it. We'll try to get him uh, back on as well uh, for a longer conversation. Uh, Chad, but also by the way, interesting about his wife running into Johnny at oh. a grocery store in L.A. Had no idea about that. And he said it was around the same also. time frame of the photos. Yeah, when he was living in L.A. We've got Clay Travis who will join us uh, in about 35 minutes or so. Uh, that's Looking forward to that. We've also got uh, Kurt Schilling coming up later in the show today. But first, primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week, the golf course marshals who come out of nowhere to annoy the crap out of you. Uh, I was playing golf recently a, a week or so ago, and this course, very nice. I appreciate it. I also appreciate the fact that the group in front of me loves this course. And the group behind me is also playing for that reason. Uh, the marshal, though, thinks that it's my group that is slowing down pace of play. When on the monitor in the golf cart, it tells me that I'm two minutes behind normal pace. And as this older gentleman comes up and asks me to speed up this entire group, I'm thinking, I would, except for... We've got another group on the green that's also slowing down. And then they have a group in front of them. Uh, and they, it's, it's the surprise element where they're coming out of the bushes or right next to the creek or over the wooden bridge uh, when you least expect it, as if you're doing something wrong instead of just, you know, waiting on the group in front of you. That's my primary complaint. Also, I mean, it was the response be, do you want me to hit this golf ball into the back of the group that's well, on the green right no, now? It, it, for me, it would be go ahead and hit because you're not going to hit right. it that far. Sorry, you don't know my, how good or bad I am at golf. Don't Davey, presume. What, what do you think? Uh, my advice would just be stop playing golf. Yeah, uh, Golf is fun. I, my I, favorite style of golf is getting a golf cart and a 12-pack of White Claw and driving around as my friends play. Do you play Golden Tee? White Claw. Do you play Golden Tee, Davey? Uh, I've, I've played it before, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm more of a Golden Tee guy. I love to watch, I'm the rare person who watches what? golf but doesn't play. I feel like there's no, I'm the very like the Venn diagram of that person's very small. I'd prefer to watch the sport of golf than to play golf. I, I enjoy. I, I try to get two or three great shots, and then it has me coming back. Uh, Davey, would would you back in the day? Would this? Well, I don't know if you ever. Do you remember Zima? No. Oh, see, that, Mike's hard. Are you a Mike's yeah, hard? Yeah, I, I never had it, but I know what it is. What he just okay. said was like go around and drink. Uh, Drink the what do you say six pack or twelve pack? Twelve. If yeah. Davey, was, I wasn't driving. The, I wasn't driving the car after that. I don't, if, I don't advocate for <laughs> drinking and driving. If Davey was in college around two thousand, he would have been a Zima with Jolly Ranchers in it type of guy. Nah, I'm, that's too I'm sweet. About. Do you guys ever that. have four locos? Uh, please, Davey. My primary complaint. Tom, hold <laughs> on. We'll get to yours here in a second. My primary complaint this week is uh, people that loiter around a soda dispenser machine, soda fountain. Mm soda machine, whatever you want to call it. By the way, I had to Google just to find exactly how to identify what this is. Everyone knows what it is. You go into a fast food establishment. You go into certain bars here at Sixth and Peabody. They have one at the White Duck Taco Stand where you go and you, you self-serve, get your drinks. There are places to stop and talk. 
that's most areas of a bar or a restaurant. There are also places for movement. And one place for movement is when you're getting ice and picking out your drink and getting it at one of these soda dispenser machines. So when I'm there just trying to refill my water and you either stop and look at the six options in front of you, like there are 600 options in front of you trying to decide and or pick that time to stop and text someone or to talk to your friend next to you and just stand there while I am shoulder to shoulder with you trying to get ice and water, don't. Time for movement, place for movement, place for stopping and talking. One of those places for movement will always be right next to the soda fountain. This is my primary complaint. Now, Davey, you may speak. Thank you, Chad. I... I want to address. I'll just go ahead and go straight into my primary complaint. All right, my primary complaint is that Elon's destroying Twitter. I was for the move when I heard it was going to happen, and now after he tells you he's going to make it much better, we're going to do all these things to make this platform awesome. All you're doing is putting all the awesome traits behind a paywall. So now instead of you making it better, you're just basically taking what was free and making everybody to pay to have it, while also having certain things decline. I don't like the X remodel. The biggest thing I have is something that not a lot of people actually are aware of, but he made it to where you don't have access to the API, which what that is, is it pretty much just allows third parties to use uh, the back end of Twitter to where it's like, if I want to load this tweet or my tweet archive up to a certain platform to where I can see like, oh, this is what I have tweeted every single day for the last decade. You no longer have access to that. Um, well, the, the big one that I'm, I'm not looking forward to is spaces. And, and I, I know what it's like to see what you get when you pay and from a, a company account. And then on my private account, I've not paid, or my personal account. So I'm able to see the difference for both. And he's not giving you anything. He's just taking the great things and putting it to where you have to pay for it. That's not what I was hoping for. And now just to kind of dog on the guy, he could prove me wrong here, but now he's saying he needs an MRI because his back and he might need surgery so he can't fight. Zuck at the moment. I'm like, dude, if you can't beat Jesse Eisenberg in a fight, like, what are you even doing? <laughs> so get it together, Elon. You're, you're, you're really pissing me off. I think the, it would be funny to watch Jesse Eisenberg versus the real-life Zuck in, in a fight. I'm sure the real-life Zucks because the training would win now. Um, Davey, uh, are, uh, are you afraid now that Charlie Arnold will not join the show based on her full support of all things Elon Musk after this take? If she were to I see this. If she were to see this, she may just say, you know what? Anyone who badmouths my Elon Musk, they can, I can never that's, go on that show. That's the great thing about OutKick, Chad. Get to express your opinion. And different opinions. Yep. Different opinions. What exactly um, is X doing for the platform is what I want to know. I'm we need not. to get Musk on the show to find out because uh, I, I don't – it hasn't really taken hold yet. I don't know. I, I still think the whole thing's a troll job between the two. Oh, the fight? Yeah. I, it, gonna be a lot in of terms of like what the what the if it's better or worse, I honestly can't tell a huge difference as uh, long as it stays on the following tab and doesn't go for you. If I'm just following the you know people I follow, oh, on you're there, talking about the Twitter app. Yeah, I'm saying he, he hates that he's destroyed Twitter. He doesn't like it. Davey doesn't like the functionality of Twitter anymore yeah. or X. The, I mean, there's not been a whole lot change as far as like what I'm seeing on my personal screen, but it's more of the. The extra elements where it's once they unveiled spaces, you can't launch a space unless you pay for Twitter now. You can join one, but you can't launch it. So it's just that, in my opinion, that's taking away from free speech, which is what he's apparently all about, or at least he claims to be. You also look at the component of... Well, you can still tweet whatever you want. 
You can, but he's limiting that's what you used speech. to have. That's the free speech, though. You can tweet whatever you want. That's his. That's his take. You can't do that on YouTube. You can't do that with Zuck. Yeah, you can still get your account shut down if you say the wrong things. It's it's sure. a lot less. I'll give you that. And we'll still use the accounts. I'm sure that yeah, you're talking about like for like premium access to do a show on Twitter or something. Just you have to pay you, for you it. You get a bunch of people together. You know, like a lot of people have uh, made contacts through Twitter. They just want to hop on, have a conversation. If you're not paying, you're not able to do that. Yeah, look, I understand the business of it. I don't like that anyone can pay for a blue check mark. I feel like yeah. to have a blue check mark, you should pass some sort of criteria. Then they give you the option if you want to pay for it. Right. I would understand that. They're like, hey, you pay $100 for the year, and you, you have enough followers and are of a status where you can have a blue check mark. You can buy it if you want. I, I'm fine with that. I just don't like anyone with you know 14 followers that can pay for a blue check mark, and I'm seeing them all over the place now. That I don't like. Well, that I, I'm only paying attention to those I follow, though. You see what I'm saying? So if someone retweets someone with 14 followers, I would see it. But otherwise, I'm not, I'm not going to check those verified accounts or whatever it's called now, whatever X wants to call it. I, I am of the belief that there's way too much power in the hands of Elon and Mark Zuckerberg right now when it comes to global technology and information, and I'm uncomfortable with all of it. Everyone bows. I'm very much Bend uncomfortable with all of it. Too everyone much power for everyone bends the knee. Yep. Coming up, we've got top headlines, including Sean Payton, who's not allowing something on the sidelines this year. What is it? Well, it's definitely something that Nathaniel Hackett did last year. That's next on Hot Mike.